Flawcast episode 145, Dunamis, part 2, Miracles Still Happen. God uses broken things. It takes broken soil to produce a crop, broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength. It is that broken alabaster box that gives forth perfume. It is Peter weeping bitterly who returns to greater power than ever. Vance Havner. Lawcast. Get in the arena. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, our esteemed Flawcast Nation. Just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, I am doing this one solo today. I have something on my heart to share. Uh, we will be back. Carl and I will be back next week in our regularly scheduled bat program, bat time, same bat station. But uh, before we go any further, I just want to ask you guys to share. This is a companion piece to the episode that came out last week about Dunamis. Uh, I'm going to get into the in a minute here what happened and what this is all about. But what we need to do and what we're asking you is to share. Please share these episodes with people. Uh, you can find us anywhere. Podcast are Flawcast, Flawcast CLE. Uh, we are on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Breaker. Anchor.fm. You can find us on Rumble under Flawed Inc. We are on the Project Mockingbird social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are on Getter, Gab, and Parlor under Flawed Inc. There is a link below. You can get a copy of my book, Smith's Heart of Man Repair Manual. And I uh, just appreciate you picking that up. Certainly will help. Um, and all proceeds will go for uh, me working on my next book, getting that edited, and, and all the stuff that's in, entailed into that. Our email is flawedincle at gmail.com. And I uh, just wanted to encourage you, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, definitely send it to us there. Uh, also, if you'd like a copy of the book, and you know times are getting tight, purse strings are getting tighter, and uh, I want to sew into people. Send us an email, flawedincle at gmail.com. I'd be more than happy to send you a PDF version on the house. But that being said, I'm just going to kind of get right into things. And there were some things that happened this week, uh, last couple months preceding. But we talked about in the last episode, dunamis, uh, which is the old-timey word, if you will, where we get dynamite or dynamic. It is a source of power. And in the episode, we were just reviewing the need for people to get back to relationship with the Almighty that produces and cultivates His power in our lives and in our communities and the lives of people that we love. And I just want to take this episode, I will be as direct, I will be as simple as I can, as I normally am, and I just want to share something, like I said, that last couple months has been happening and uh, just uh, I can tell you a miracle happened in my life. And I don't really usually get into private personal stuff. I, I you know, I, I normally don't even tell the, the people closest in my life until I, I have to, or at least I feel comfortable because just my process, it's not a personal thing. It's just I process things differently and, and slower than I guess most people do. But uh, before I go any further, I just want to share a scripture. Uh, 
This is Psalms 118, verse 17. This is what it says in the New International Version. It says, I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. I want to read that in the Amplify because I'm a big fan of that version. It says, I will not die but live and declare the works and account the illustrious acts of the Lord. And I wanted to share that today because last couple months uh, I've been having some issues and uh you know after a couple months uh my wife's like you should go get the checked out so i went to the doctor which honestly what i thought was just kind of a regular routine visit and you guys i've shared my i guess testimony with things before you know i am legally blind i had numerous numerous surgeries i've had over dozens of lasers eye surgeries um I had a gastric bypass uh, that went bad. I ended up w- over two weeks in the ICU. I've had a transplant. I had to go back a couple times with that because it rejected a few times. Um, just, you know, I, I, I don't know. For me, I, I guess it's commonplace, but for a lot of people, it's a lot. It, it, it is a lot for me at times. But the most uh, compelling thing that I would just want to share right now, and the reason for bringing this up is that in November, I got news that I had massive blockage in two of my main arteries in my heart, the Widowmaker and then the other one that carries a a lot of the blood. Uh, My number was a 3750 regarding the the amount of calcium, the amount of plaque built up in my heart. Uh, My understanding is a 400 is dangerous, Uh, but mine was 3750 and my primary doctor who initially uh, ordered all these tests and you know, I got a CAT scan, EKG, stress test, you know, whatever, all, all this stuff, all the stuff, all the blood. They took, you know, probably a couple of liters of blood from me <laughs> doing the, uh, the blood work, so on and so forth. And uh, this is what they came up with. So she was alarmed. She had me go see a cardiologist. Makes sense. And the cardiologist um, was very, very alarmed. And long and short with that, told me that I would need stents. And uh, for those that don't know what that is, basically they go into your heart, kind of look what's going on, look at the blockage. They kind of, lack of a better term, they try to roto-rooter it out. Um, they'll take a, like a balloon type thing if they're going to put a stent in and they'll blow up the balloon in your artery. They'll mush some of that plaque, some of that calcium buildup down. And then they'll put a stent And The purpose of the stent is to enlarge the artery so that blood flow can come in and out more easily in that process you know there are some drugs that you're going to be on and i'm already on a bunch of drugs i'm on drugs for you know my uh, anti-rejection medication for my kidney transplant uh, diabetic drugs um just you know a lot of stuff and through this i should say that my numbers were fine i had a little elevated protein in my blood but uh, there wasn't anything in that regard that was super cause for concern on a side note if you're not feeling well and you think you might have some kind of issues As painful and as scary as it might be, I wholeheartedly recommend going, seeing your doctor, going through the test, and getting checked out by the proper people. So I saw the cardiologist, and she was basically like, hey, this is the deal. You're going to have to have these done. And at that time, I just kind of started freaking out. Now, the thing that was really concerning to me is that in this process, with me being legally blind, one of my eyes is completely blind, and the other one I have about 20-50. So I'm not able to drive. I have no really no depth perception, no peripheral vision. I just kind of see right on. If you want to know what it looks like when I see things, what I'd recommend doing is taking your two hands, 
putting them together and making kind of like a telescope thing and looking through that. And that's usually what it is that I see on a moment to moment daily basis. So that being said, she told me I would have to be on blood thinners for about a year. And the dangerous thing for a person in my situation with weak envisioned with um, all the stuff I've gone through is that when you're on a blood thinner, it's obviously thin your blood. And, you know, I'm rather accident prone. So, <laughs> you know, any time of the day I, I can like, oh, I got a scrap. Oh, I got a, or I got a scrape. I got a, <laughs> when, did I, when did I nick my, when did I nick my hand open, you know, so on and so forth. And it just kind of happens because, like I said, I'm accident prone. And uh, the problem with that is that being on the blood thinners would cause an excessive amount of bleeding. The bigger problem with that is it would endanger my vision because if my eyes started to hemorrhage, the blood would obviously, much like it would if I cut my arm, there would be more bleeding, would be more susceptible to loss of blood on a cut of my arm. If my eyes were to hemorrhage, it would be a similar scenario. So I talked with my eye doctor who literally is one of the best in the world. And I've known the man for 18 years. And he basically at that point told me my decision was get the heart stints or lose my vision and that's really not a, a good choice for me because i have fought hard to keep my kidneys in good my kidney for my transplant in good condition i've fought really really hard for almost 20 years to make sure i can maintain the quality of vision that i still have and Honestly, the thought of living a life where I, you know, I can't read my Bible, I can't read, you know, I can't see my wife, I can't watch my dogs play, I can't go on walks, you know, I can't go to record stores, go see movies, which might sound like minute, trivial things, but it's a quality of life thing and it's things that are important to me. You know, I decided that if that were the case, if I had to choose between my eyes and the heart surgery, I, I would choose my eyes because I don't want to be a burden to my wife, my friends, you know, so on and so forth. And I might be weird, but, I, you know, I'm, I am not afraid to die. Um, you know, death to me is just a part of life. Uh, you know, not that I'm, I don't want to be morose, I don't want to sound a way, but, you know, the, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 8, that to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. And honestly, on, on any given day, twice on Sunday, that's where my heart longs to be anyway. So for me, if I die, I lose. And it's not to sound selfish, but, you know, these are some hard conversations my wife and I had. And regarding the day-to-day -day functionality, I wouldn't be able to take out the dogs. I wouldn't be able to do, you know, just think of the most minute thing that you take for granted in your life and, like, not be able to do that and solely rely on somebody to either help you or to do it for you and increase of doing the other regular day-to-day -day chores on that, that person, you know. And it's just something I didn't feel was fair, nor did I want to burden upon my wife or anybody else in my life. So after further discussion with the cardiologist and my eye doctor, they came up with a plan that I'd be able to do this and it would have minimal effect on my eyes. So it wasn't 100% comfortable, but we decided to move forward. Long story short, uh, this episode's coming out on Friday the 20th. Literally a week ago on Friday the 13th, I went in for this procedure. And uh, I'm gonna just give you the cliff note version uh, and try to fill in as many blanks as I can. 
I, we got there and the doctor, everybody was great. Uh, University Hospital in Geauga, and we, everybody was just great there. They they took really good care of me. We were very empathetic and and listened to my wife and I's concerns. And I've I, we feel like they took our thoughts and considerations, um, and and took those to heart. So they took me back into the OR. They got me prepped, uh, which is a, a fun thing to go through anyway. Um, you know, all the shaving and all the uh, tying you down to the operating table, then putting tape all over your body. And it's just, you know, if you've never experienced it, I hope you never do. But it is a procedure. Nonetheless, I was uh, in Twilight. They gave me uh, a local in my arm because they get went through my wrist and my arm and my wrist was numb. And they gave me some, like, gas to breathe, you know, it's kind of like Lethal Weapon 4, um, you know, when they're at the uh, the Uncle Benny's uh, and, you know, they're all getting high on the, the laughing gas. It was kind of like that sort of thing. I was still coherent, but they call it Twilight. Anyway, doctor came in. He said, all right, Bill, are you ready to go? And I said, yeah. And, you know, there's this weird thing for me. I feel like I've been in the OR so many times. It's like, you know, I just took a deep breath. And I said, okay, God, here we go again. And to me, and, you know, there's whatever the time length was, to me, once he started, it seemed like a very short amount of time. I felt pulling on my arm. I felt, uh, you know, twisting in my wrist. This, you know, like I, I felt he was putting needles in and things like that. And, and what they did, they, they did a, a catheterization of my heart. Took a bunch of pictures first because that's just what they do. They want to know what they're looking at, know what they're getting into. And it seemed honestly about two or three minutes to me and the doctor said okay we're good uh, you're all set you're good and i'll be in the uh, recovery room to talk to you and your family very soon and i just like i said it was like two or three minutes and the doctor i'm like wait come back you know i'm yelling at this guy like you're not done i'm not going through this again I, you know i'm not going through this procedure again so they they get me all cleaned up they you know uh, take all the the tape and blankets and all this stuff off and wheel me back into the recovery room and i'm just like what's happening what's going on and the thing that was really concerning to me and my wife is that you know there's only a, a basically a, a curtain between you and, and your neighbor and those kind of things and uh, we heard the doctor say to our neighbor like hey you know we just went in basically did the same thing i did they did a cath they looked at everything took pictures and it was like all right we're gonna have to do i think it was like triple bypass for this guy they're gonna you know open his chest up and this and that and we were just kind of like okay are they gonna is this what's going on is this worst case scenario so the doctor eventually came back and he said verbatim he goes i am absolutely befuddled he goes you have no blockage in any of your arteries your heart is fine he said that if he were a betting man, and based on his experience, that he thought he would have had to do a multiple bypass surgery, which basically means he'd have to crack open my chest cavity and do open heart surgery on me because the numbers were that bad. Everything that they saw in the CAT scans and the tests, the EKGs, whatever, whatever, was to the point where he thought he was going to have to do this really evasive surgery. But when he told us that he, he couldn't explain it, he was just befuddled because 
there's no blockage in any of my arteries. My heart is good. My heart is strong. Uh, that there was some plaque and calcium, but it was on the outside of the heart that I'm already on medication uh, and just lifestyle change. That's going to dissipate. It's just going to go away. And hearing that and being there, and my wife was there, and uh, Aunt Barb was there. Uh, our longtime listeners know Aunt Barb, but um, I, I was I was befuddled. I was taken back because in everything I shared, you have to realize, or if you don't already know, like I'm like that worst case scenario person. You know, when I had my gastric bypass, which, you know, is a very evasive surgery, they said it's going to take an hour at the most and it ended up taking 10 hours. I was in the ICU for over two weeks. The doctor said that, you know, she's never had to do any surgery for a bypass where they open somebody, their, their abdominal cavity up, but I was the one person of the thousand that she's done that, had done that. Uh, you know, so it's just, I guess you just condition yourself, you know, like we talk about on the show, like how in our society, there's just programming, mass conditioning for things. And, and even for myself with my health, I'm just conditioned, I guess, to think the worst case scenario. But when the doctor gave us the snooze, I was not prepared for that. You know, I was honestly more prepared for the worst case scenario, cracking open my chest, doing a open heart surgery, multi, you know, do, double bypass, triple, whatever it would, he said it was going to take. But I knew at that moment that God had done a miracle and that he had spared me. And I felt, and I do feel really grateful. I feel very humbled. Um, I want to personally, if I haven't already, I want to thank everybody that's prayed for me, uh, that knew about this situation, and, and people that pray for us just regularly for what Carl and I do on this podcast. But I needed to share this because I don't have any other platform. You know, I, I don't get asked to speak at places. I don't, you know, and, and I used to. I used to travel the country and and speak. Uh, I've not done that for a long time. I, I I feel like that may change, I hope, because I do have a passion for that. But that's ultimately what God, you know, the doors he opens and doors he closes. I'm sharing this because, you know, the last episode we talked about Deuteronomy. We talked about how the power of God, the miracle working, dynamic power of God needs to come back in to people's lives. And I feel like, if nothing else, I was a test subject for that, that... And having talked to three doctors, having gone through this liturgy of tests that everybody, the, doc, the surgeon included, my cardiologist included, was looking at it as a worst case scenario for me. But God, in his extravagant mercy, looked upon me and said, wow, I got a different plan. I, I want to befuddle, according to what the doctor said, the surgeon. I want to befuddle mankind. I want to befuddle those who are in Bill's life and show that I am the Lord that heals you. You know, God created us. He heals us. That's why I had such a hard time with all the churches and stuff locking down during COVID because God created us. He can heal us. He can knit us back together emotionally, mentally, and physically. And I I wasn't aware of any other opportunity I would have to share this. And I haven't even, you know, really told Carl I'm doing this yet, but he'll, he'll find out. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he'd care because we need to give practical examples of, of situations that we talk about, that this is happening. There is no logical explanation. I should probably still be in the hospital now, even as I record this. But I'm so grateful and humbled and thankful that God said, no, I'm, this, I'm going to do this in his life, undeservedly. 
admittedly, I'm a wreck, but what I want to share and what I want to offer is a thanks and praise and gratitude to, to Christ, to Jesus, uh, and, and for doing this. And I want to encourage people that things may not be happening in the churches, but they're happening in the operating rooms. They're happening on the streets of America. They're happening in the houses of people who are just simple in faith enough to believe that God heals and God does miracles and God still speaks and God still, you know, puts together broken people. And that's why I love that quote, you know, everything that's broken, God uses and comes together for his purposes. And I just wanted to take this time to share this testimony, at least for you hearing right now, knowing that he who was no respecter of person can do something miraculous like that in me, can do something miraculous in you, our, our esteemed Flockcast Nation, Flockcast listeners. I personally, and I ask all the time, and I, I really mean this, but this personally, I believe that there's people that need healed. There's people that need encouraged. There's people that need to be strengthened. There are churches full of people in America that do not believe that, in, that, uh, that God still works. They believe there's been the dispensation of miracles and, and, and this, this ceasing of the Almighty speaking. And, and they have this almost, you know, deist I, you know, theology of God that he's just, you know, kind of like in that, that old-timey uh, Clash of the Titans movie where, you know, God is, or the gods in that one are there, but they just move people around and like chess pieces and just see, you know, what they do. But that's not the case. Uh, certainly for me, at least, and, and I know for you, but God is intimately involved in our life. He cares about the most minute detail. And he, he is there. He's in the midst. And, you know, we don't go through these things alone. And I wanted to take an opportunity to share this because I've prayed for people. I've seen God speak through people. I've seen healings of a miraculous nature. I've, you know, just a lot recently seen families and marriages being healed and put back together. But I, I don't know um, that I've been a recipient of a miracle like this ever. And for me, I just felt I wanted, not I needed to, but I wanted to share and, and publicly thank God and, and thank Jesus and thank all you who've prayed and, and, and been there um, for what God did. And I, you know, I've, I've received a lot of confirmation from those really close to me in the days following about a Changes coming in my life, and it's certainly in the you know, getting married in October, move, uh, buying a new house, and moving in November. Uh, I recently got laid off from my job in December. Now, January, it's like this miracle happened in the new year. So, I'm just believing that I, my life, my wife's life, we are, we are in God's hands, and He's a merciful God, and He's going to lovingly correct us when we need it, but He's going to direct us as long as we are submitted and open to Him. And I just want to take that time to share because uh, it's so important to me. I believe that it's changed my life and I believe uh, bigger changes. And I don't know what that means exactly. Just changes are coming. And I really just want to encourage everybody listening that God is no respecter of person. If he can do it for me, he can and wants to do it for you and to you. Just submit to him. And... I'm going to ask one more time, please share this. I, I know that I know that people need to hear this message. They need to know that the befuddling, unexplicable, 
almost insultingly unintelligent wisdom and mercy of God is still active and at play in the lives of his people and his children. And if you're listening, I hope and pray that includes you, but uh, we need to share this. For those that believe that God doesn't work, that doesn't do anything anymore, I'm living proof. I'm a living testimony that that does. My, My arteries should have been clogged. I should have been in a place where, like I said, for probably a week or so, if not more annoying me, I've been laid up in hospital in just recovery, but I'm not. I'm out. I'm walking around. I'm, you know, working on my house, recording this episode of the podcast, doing things. And that's just a testimony to God, to his greatness, his mercy. So share this because I believe that there's people that need this encouragement. They need this information. They need to know that there are people that have they have access to that are in their life, that aren't some far-off distant place, that God tangibly still is working on the earth. And despite how dark it is, despite how maybe seemingly hopeless it is fighting against this tide of evil, that God is still working in people's lives, that, that Christ is the light of the world, and that just a little light dispels a lot of darkness. So, once again, please please share this. Please share this. There are people that need to hear, hear this and know it. God is still alive. He's still doing things. Uh, so, with that being said, you can find us in where podcasts are, Flawcast, CLE. We're on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Breaker, Anchor.fm. We are on Rumble under Flawed Inc. We're on the Project Mockingbird social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're also on Parler, Getter, and Gab, all under Flawed Inc., There is a link below to get a copy of my book, Smith's Heart of Man Repair Manual. I ask that you would get that, and I ask that you would enjoy it, and hopefully it would challenge you and encourage you and strengthen you. Our our email is flawedincle at gmail.com. Send us an email if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. Also, if you'd like a copy of my book, can't afford one, be more than happy to send you one. flawedincle at gmail.com. That being said... um, God's not dead. He is surely alive. And I am living proof of that. Mm